your shopping basket, do whatever you're doing, and we'll 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 get on with the next the next lecture. Okay, so three or four people came up to me and said, I'm really sorry, but the arrow that you're clearly seeing on your slides as you're moving your cursor around is not being made visible on our slides. So we've sorted that out. Um, but what that means for me is that I'm now out of presentation mode, so I haven't got a clue what's coming next in my slides. Um, so bear with me, please, in this next 45 minutes or so uh, as we go through the next bit. Um, so I uh, may, uh, at w on the odd occasion, just uh, forget what's coming next in my slides. I like to use presentation mode. It's quite a nice uh, tool within, uh, w within PowerPoint. So we're going to look now and change tack a little bit to look at some of these structural chromosomal abnormalities. And they're listed here on the slides. You've got all the slides. So the first example uh, is something that occurs between non-homologous chromosomes. That is of reciprocal translocation, where a piece of one chromosome uh, is translocated, uh, and there's an event which caused that to be mixed up with a part of another chromosome. And the example, or the cartoon, shown here in the slide, on the left-hand slide, the cartoon, and on the right, we've got the carrier type of uh, a, a portion of, of a chromosome 2, Q33, and chromosome 8, Q24, that you can see when we look at the carrier type that these are slightly different when we look at the paired chromosomes. This one here in the pair, this one is shorter than the chromosome here on the left-hand side, and in the pair here of, of chromosome 8, this one here is slightly longer than the one on the other side as well. So there's been a, uh, an event which has occurred whereby some portion of that genomic material has been exchanged, and that's termed and called a reciprocal translocation. And as I've said, what this means is there is exchange of genetic material between uh, pairs of non-homologous chromosomes, different chromosomes. And the example here that is shown is this balanced reciprocal translocation between chromosome 2 and chromosome 8. And again, this is the ISCN nomenclature. We have 46 pairs of chromosomes. Uh, we have uh, a male, XY sex chromosomes, and the translocation is between these two chromosomes, 2 and 8, between these two regions, Q33 and Q24.1, on each of those chromosomes. So that's the way in which that reciprocal translocation is written in cytogenetic speak. So what are the effects, is the question we want to ask, of these reciprocal translocations in carriers of these events. When these occur within somatic cells, which divide uh, mitotically, the effects can either be a transformation into a, a tumorigenic cell, which leads to an increased growth rate of those cells, or uh, occasionally it may actually be silent and they may have no effects at all. It really depends upon the chromosomes that are involved and which parts of that genomic sequence are translocated. If the reciprocal translocation occurs within germline cells, then there is a higher incidence uh, of spontaneous abortions uh, in, in the carrier. 
and I'll go on to explain why that is. So then let's have a look at what happens again at meiosis, at these two uh, times of cell division uh, as gametes are formed. You can see that what we've got here uh, is a, a reciprocal translocation so that we have a portion of one chromosome on another and vice versa. We go through meiotic cell division and therefore the possible gametes that can form uh, are shown here. Uh, again, some of them uh, may lead upon fertilization to unaffected offspring or children because these are what we call balanced. So you can see that the pairs of chromosomes are, are generally balanced. You've pretty much got all of the copies of genes of one chromosome, maybe just a bit of this proportion of this green chromosome here that's missing um, within this translocation carrier. But the fertilization of either of these two gametes should lead to unaffected offspring. Whereas in these examples here, through meiotic pairing, we have what we call unbalanced gametes. So we see significant proportions of a chromosomal sig uh, signal or sequence that are missing. They are unbalanced in terms of their genomic structure, their chromosomal makeup. And if either or any of these were to be fertilized, it's much more likely that that's going to have a deleterious effect. Uh, and again, uh, the outcome clinically is embryonic lethality leading to spontaneous abortion, and which is why we don't often see many of these occurring within life. So uh, this is uh, a, a slide. I'm, I'm still a little bit, a bit unsure as to the, 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 uh, the nature of why this slide is included. There is a case report uh, within the book that you've got, the Corf uh, textbook, uh, which talks about reciprocal translocation uh, around a disorder called Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome, which involves the translocation of chromosomes 4 and 8. And maybe we'll come back to this, uh, but the case report's in there, and it gives you two parts to that case report. So I would certainly advise you to go to your textbooks and read through that uh, to be able to understand in a little bit more detail something of, of that case report and how that reciprocal translocation occurred. But what I want to do is to have a look at some of these examples and, and how they occur, as we've said, either in somatic cells or within the gametes. We mentioned that if they occur in somatic cells, they can lead to tumorigenesis and the activation of an oncogene that causes uh, uh, cancer. And one of the most common and well-described examples of a reciprocal translocation leads to something called uh, the Philadelphia chromosome, which involves a translocation event between uh, chromosome 9 and chromosome 22. And what that does is that brings together, during that chromosomal translocation event, two gene products, the BCR gene and the ABL gene, which lead to a fusion protein and the formation of this fusion protein drives uncontrolled cell division, which within uh, hemopoietic cells will then cause uh, tumorigenesis uh, and lead to uh, chronic myeloid leukemia as a form of a blood uh, cancer disorder. 
So that's a, a, a common example, and we talked a little bit about the Philadelphia chromosome right at the beginning of the first lecture in terms of one of the first cytogenetic abnormalities that was described. And it's because of that translocation event that brings these two gene products together in situ, uh, leading to the formation of a fusion protein that causes uh, this uncontrolled cell division. There's another cancer called Burkitt's lymphoma, which again happens on the basis of the same uh, reciprocal translocation event, this time involving two other chromosomes, chromosome 8 and chromosome 14. Okay, so we have a question. And the time is running. Okay, another five or ten more seconds to get the last answers in. In a patient with CML, chronic myeloid leukemia, karyotyping of their bone marrow cells reveals the Philadelphia chromosome. This is a result of... Let's see if it worked. Polling is closed. Okay. Wow. Okay, so we've got a split in the room, almost 50-50, between a non-homologous chromosomal exchange and an unbalanced reciprocal translocation, which is what we've just been talking about. Okay. Let's just go back. Okay, so the answer is B, because it causes an exchange between non-homologous uh, chromosomes. Uh, maybe I should go back and just have a look at this. Some of you were, were I mean, it is a reciprocal translocation event. Uh, the key is in the, the, the first word here, uh, whether this is balanced uh, or unbalanced. Uh, and, and in the case of CML, and maybe I need to go back and just have a look at this again and and because what we're able to do is generate this, this fusion protein. So actually, this is a balanced event uh, leading to the formation of, of, of that reciprocal translocation. So it is a reciprocal translocation. It, leads, uh, it is occurring between uh, non-homologous chromosomes. So in, of the five answers that are available, then answer B is the, is, is the more what is the correct answer and the best of the five answers that are available. I can see why uh, some of you might have put answer C. Uh, it's just to highlight that in that case, 
uh, it is a balanced uh, event rather than an unbalanced event. Okay, we've talked uh, and, and touched on Down syndrome uh, in the first part of, of the lecture. This is another case scenario, or a, uh, uh, so a 25-year-old female, so a, a younger lady, has a history of repeated miscarriages. And she has a two-year-old girl uh, with trisomy 21, with Down syndrome. Carrier type analysis of her husband is normal, but she is what's called a Robertsonian translocation carrier. And this, uh, is, uh, this is her carrier type. So she has uh, 45XX, uh, and there is a, 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 um, a translocation event between uh, the long arm of, of uh, 14Q uh, and the long arm of chromosome 21. So this is a slightly different scenario, and the question that's posed is how does this arrive? What is a Robertsonian translocation? So we described something of the structure of chromosomes in the first few slides that we looked at, and we talked about those that were metacentric with the centromere directly between the long and short, short arms uh, of the chromosome. And we also mentioned as well that there were several of the human chromosomes based on carrier type and their structure which were acrocentric. And these are chromosomes 13, 14, 15, 21, 22. What occurs is that there has been in these chromosomes loss of the short arms of the two chromosomes. And at the end uh, of the centromere there is a, what we call a satellite structure in that acrocentric chromosome which contains uh, some genetic material important for RNA. And what we see is we get fusion of the long arms of those two chromosomes. So let's have a look at that pictorially. Here are our two acrocentric chromosomes. So rather than showing the typical metacentric uh, chromosomal structure with a long arm and a short arm, you can see We've just got this arm here. This is the satellite region. So depicted here is chromosome 14. And one of the chromosomes that can be or is acrocentric and that can undergo what's called a Robertsonian translocation is chromosome 21. And therefore what happens in this translocation event uh, is that you see uh, a, a carrier here with this particular carrier type uh, such that you get translocation between these two portions of chromosome 14 and these two portions of chromosome 21. So let's have a look at how that occurs during meiosis. Here is the carrier of the balanced Robertson-Onian translocation, two parts of chromosome 14 and tw 21. And upon meiosis, what this uh, individual can generate in terms of the gametes are normal gametes containing a normal copy of 14 and a normal copy of 21. They can be a carrier of the translocation as shown here. You can get the uh, 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 case where you see trisomy 14 and you can also get the case where you see three copies uh, of, of trisomy 1 upon fertilization of course, of those gametes, because they're haploid here, and upon fertilization, uh, they would be uh, triploid. So again, let's look at the effect of that. Let's take 
through the, the carrier of that balance tra translocation, you can have balanced material, uh, and this is called alternate segregation, where you see normal gametes form, or carriers, or you can have partial trisomy upon fertilization of these uh, uh, two gametes, gamete 3 uh, and gamete 4, which can lead to trisomy of, of chromosome 14 in this case, and trisomy of chromosome 21 uh, in this case. Again, here we sh show the same uh, examples. So upon fertilization of the gametes, this is what we see in terms of the, uh, the diploid nature of the chromosomes within the cell. A normal cell complement, two copies of 14 and two copies of 21. We can see a carrier status for the translocation. Uh, we can also see trisomy 14, which uh, is uh, incompatible with life and survival and therefore would lead to, to uh, trisomy uh, to uh, spontaneous abortion. Or, uh, in this example here, we can see three copies of uh, chromosome 21, which would lead to Down syndrome. So the carrier type of this uh, individual, due to a Robertsonian translocation, is shown here. And there are two copies of chromosome 21, and the derivative of chromosome 14 has the translocated portion of chromosome 21, the long arm of chromosome 21. And this is how the carrier type is written. This is a much rarer event in terms of the uh, causal nature of Down syndrome, and the Robertsonian translocation only accounts for somewhere between 2 and 5% of Down syndrome cases. Okay, so here we come to another question. Pretty much just going through the example that we talked about. A young lady, not someone who's reaching uh, uh, her late 30s or 40s, uh, as seen with the increased risk of, of older women having children with Down syndrome. She has a child with Down syndrome. Uh, we know that her husband has a normal carrier type, and she is a Robertsonian carrier of, of, of the translocation. So five more seconds. The question is, what's the mechanism that leads to Down syndrome uh, in this child. Okay. Oh. So we didn't get the vote. Not sure what happened there, Mary. Okay. So the answer is answer two, adjacent segregation uh, during, during meiosis. Did anybody have any problems with that question? Okay. Sorry, was that a question? Yeah, 
Okay, let's go back to the to the slide here. Okay. So these are the these are the this is what occurs during during meiosis. This is these are the formations of the, the different gametes that we can have uh, based on on the the effect of the balanced translocation. And we have the the propensity to either generate uh, an alternate segregation event or an adjacent segregation event in which is an unbalanced uh, chromosomal makeup upon fertilization. So what happens here, if these gametes are fertilized, as shown in the next slide, then we either uh, arise with a child who's a carrier or a child who has a normal chromosomal uh, makeup, and that's what we call a balanced uh, event or uh, alternate segregation. Adjacent segregation uh, is, is what happens uh, and resulting in the partial trisomy of those gametes upon fertilization, uh, which can either lead, as we said, to trisomy 14 and therefore spontaneous abortion or trisomy 21 uh, and Down syndrome. And on that basis, uh, it's, it's the adjacent segregation event during meiosis, which is the correct answer for that question. So we won't go through that. Okay. So now we're going to just switch tack a little bit and, and st start to look at some different groups of, of genetic disorders uh, which fall under the, the, the banner heading of micro-deletion syndromes. And when we talk of, of micro-deletion syndromes within chromosomal uh, term, terms, we're referring to those that are less than four megabases in, 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 in size uh, and can be detected uh, using either uh, uh, array CGH or FISH, other deletions which are much, much larger uh, can be determined using very classical cytogenetic studies such as uh, G-banding and carrier typing. Uh, and uh, we're going to we'll mention uh, Cree du Chat uh, as, a, as a deletion syndrome as one of the examples uh, in the next few slides. So before we do that, though, we need to look at uh, one of the techniques that is used to identify uh, deletion uh, syndromes. And this is the technique of, of, of array CGH, or comparative genomic hybridization. And what this allows us to do is to interrogate uh, different DNA regions along uh, a chromosome uh, for changes in, in um, copy number of that particular chromosomal region. And the way that this has classically been done is to take sample of our patient DNA, which we will label with one particular fluorescent dye. And in this cartoon here, it's shown as, a, as green. And then we take a normal DNA sample, uh, which is labeled with a different fluorescent dye. Uh, and this is red. And we mix them together in equal molar amounts of, of those labeled DNAs and apply them uh, to a, a high-density array of different, uh, where on, on this slide, where each of the spots uh, represents uh, uh, um, uh, an, a, a different DNA probe uh, which is complementary to a particular region of the human genome sequence. So these are in equimolar amounts and, and if these hybridize then what we see based on the equimolar amounts of green and of red is a yellow signal if they are present in equimolar amounts within the slide. But if we see uh, a deletion within the patient sample, then the ratio or the amount of the patient sample DNA that's labeled to uh, the control DNA will be abnormal. 
and therefore will have a preponderance of, of the control labeled in red and that will show up as a red spot within our array. If the converse is true and we see an event within the patient sample whereby that gene region is duplicated, therefore the ratio then again of the patient to control DNA sample is also abnormal. We have more of the signal for the patient compared to the, the control and therefore we'll see a, an area of green signal and that will manifest and be the dominant signal over the red signal or over the yellow signal. So in that way we're able to identify whether there's a duplication of a, or a gene event within that region or a deletion within that region. And that's the principle and the basis uh, of, of array CGH. Of course what this is limited by uh, is you know, the number of probes across the whole of the, the human genome that you can get onto one of these high density arrays and now people are tending to use single nucleotide polymorphisms in terms of SNP arrays uh, to do a very similar thing. So for some of the genes that I'm interested in work within, within mitochondrial disease, for example, we may well have just a single um, uh, spot within a, an array CGH array that could represent a target for a particular gene. Using SNP arrays, you may well have somewhere between 30 and 40 different targets within a, a normal size human gene. So it just allows the depth of interrogation of a particular gene sequence at a much higher depth uh, and, and gives you a much greater resolution. So that's much more uh, powerful technique. So that's the indication uh, of, of, of array CDH. And these uh, perhaps talk about uh, the indications as clinicians for when you might want to consider testing within a cytogenetics uh, uh, setting for either deletion or duplication syndromes. M more often than not, these are children who are either on an autistic spectrum or perhaps have some form of uh, developmental delay that cannot be explained by uh, a another means, or children who will have been born with various congenital uh, abnormalities or may have dysmorphic features um, uh, more and more um, an array CGH or an array will be done within a cytogenetics testing before uh, you would go on to a, a, another form of genetic screening, be it whole exome sequencing or whole genome sequencing to try and identify whether there are other forms of genetic mutation within either the entire coding sequence of the, of the human genome or the, the, the entire uh, genome itself, including all the um, regulatory elements as well. So an array CGH or a SNP array is an important early part of that genetic investigation, particularly in children with unexplained developmental delay uh, or dysmorph uh, dysmorphic features. So one of the, uh, one of the common uh, syndromes that is involved uh, uh, or what's called uh, due to a deletion of a portion of chromosome 5P is something called Cree du Char syndrome. And cri du chat literally means uh, a cat-like cry or the cry of the cat. Again, comes from the French. And you can see, so what happens within one of these micro-deletion syndromes is that you lose a proportion of the genetic material from the chromosome pair. Okay, so there's a deleted region within that chromosome. Here's the carrier type manifesting what's seen here within this cartoon. 
and the loss of, of a portion of chromosome 5P leads to a, a, a developmental disorder called Creed-Duchar syndrome, where, where children have this high-pitched cat-like cry. It's associated with severe intellectual disability, problems with speech, and again, they often have uh, microcephaly and small heads. Let's have a look at the genetic diagnosis done by one or two different methods. So looking at the fluorescent in situ hybridization to start with, looking at the chromosome. So we've got, again, uh, this is showing using two probes against two uh, different chromosomes, one of which the red or orange that's highlighted here is our control, showing uh, uh, very nicely two signals. And then we have a probe which is highlighted as green, which is against a portion of the genomic sequence of the 5P region of chromosome 5. And as you can see, we can only see one signal within the fish, indicating that the other signal is lost. Within the array CGH uh, output, again, what we can see here, this just shows uh, the presence of signal across the whole of the length of, of the chromosome 5, apart from here where we see loss of the signal, indicating uh, loss of that portion. Uh, um, and, so, and that can help map that uh, and, and start to interrogate the size of that particular deletion that's involved. And again, using SNP arrays helps you kind of narrow that region down without having to sequence and determine what the breakpoints are. But you can see on the basis of this, this has been estimated to be somewhere between 30 and 31 uh, megabases uh, at that region of chromosome uh, 5P. Okay, so that's Creed Duchar syndrome. Another deletion syndrome is sometimes called 22Q11, uh, or more commonly known as DeGeorge syndrome. It's a microdeletion of chromosome uh, 22Q. Again, so let's have a look at the fish using uh, uh, probes against specific loci. So we've got probes here uh, against portions of 22 um, uh, in, in yellow and uh, another portion of, the, of, of, of 222Q. And you can see that this chromosome here is normal, whereas it's lost here in this particular chromosome and this uh, maps to this particular portion on the array CGH. Children are born with congenital heart defects, absence of, of the thymus. They can also develop cleft lip and palate, learning disability. And again, uh, we sometimes see something of a, a, a clinical spectrum uh, in children with DeGeorge syndrome, uh, developing these facial uh, abnormalities which are, which are seen here. I'm not sure the reason for this, and I haven't actually read uh, to understand why this is, and I need to, to do that, but it is well known that children with DeGeorge and 22Q11 syndrome are at a higher risk uh, for developing uh, schizophrenia, so I, would, uh, I certainly need to go away and then find out why that is as well. But you can see some of the facial abnormalities that are, uh, and abnormalities that are shown in here, including the very broad and prominent nasal root that is shown uh, within these photographs, and again, the narrow uh, palpable fissures that are shown here uh, uh, in the eyes of these, of these children with 22Q11 deletion syndrome. Um, another deletion syndrome is called Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome, and it's deletion of chromosome 4P. Again, these children have very specific facial anomalies, which are shown here in these two photographs. 
They have very much more widely spaced eyes and a very prominent uh, and broad nasal bridge. And they can also have, as well, an abnormal iris. Um, and sometimes this facial as appearance, and this is the, uh, the, the prompt for me, is, is ref referred to as a, a Greek warrior helmet uh, appearance because these children have a very high forehead and you can see the broad and flattened nasal bridge, uh, a bit like a, a, a Greek soldier's uh, warrior's helmet. These children as well have some of the, the, the characteristic clinical features that are associated with developmental uh, and, and congenital problems such as cardiac anomalies and intellectual and developmental delay. And then finally, uh, uh, there's a, a, a disorder called uh, uh, WAGR, or WAGA syndrome, which is an acronym uh, based around uh, Wilms tumor, aniridia, or absence of the iris, genitourinary anomalies, and retardation. And this is, again, caused by a microdeletion, a different gene. This is uh, chromosome 11 on uh, P13. And the reason, again, why we see some of these uh, uh, congenital abnormalities that are, in, uh, are manifesting as a result of uh, incomplete uh, development of some of these organs is that this region on chromosome 11 includes a gene called PAC6, which is a, an important gene uh, in, in, in development. So the fish here is, is the, uh, uh, the clue to the, the molecular diagnosis. This shows that there's a uh, that you can see the red probe for the PAC6 gene that only shows one copy here on this chromosome, but on the other chromosome here of chromosome 11, there's, there's, uh, which is a centromeric probe, you can, you can see that there, but you can't see the PAC6 gene. And again, on the carrier type, uh, you're able to see, I think, just um, with the eye of faith, uh, a deletion within the uh, short arm of chromosome 11. So using the conventional and, and uh, con uh, historical techniques of carrier typing and more modern techniques of fluorescent in situ hybridization to make uh, the genetic diagnosis. Uh, there are also some deletions that occur within chromosome 15. These are uh, two more common uh, genetic disorders which are, are, are routinely investigated again in children who have uh, suspected of having developmental disorders or maybe uh, 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 dysmorphic features. And these are Angelman syndrome and Prady-Willi syndrome. Both of these are, are, are due to uh, deletions of chromosome 15Q11 and the resulting syndrome depends upon the parent of origin. So Angelman syndrome is due to deletion of the maternal chromosome whereas Prada-Willi syndrome is due to uh, deletion of the paternal, uh, uh, deletion of the paternal chromosome. So that's the, the easiest way to, to remember that, the P of Prada-Willi and the paternal chromosome. And some cases uh, are due to what we call uniparental disomy, where we see inheritance of both copies of chromosome 15 from the same parent. So let's have a look at, at these examples and have a look at the clinical manifestations of, of, of the paternally inherited Prada-Willi syndrome and the maternally inherited Angelman syndrome. You can see there's quite a significant overlap in terms of some of the clinical manifestation. 
and within Prada Willi, up to about 30% of cases uh, can be due to maternal UPD or uniparental disomy of the maternal uh, chromosome, whereas in Angelman syndrome, uh, you often see uh, deletion uh, of the maternal uh, deletion in, in the majority of cases and UPD in a much smaller uh, number of cases. So let's look at uniparental disomy. So here's a, a pedigree showing two parents, a male and a female uh, with different genotypes, BB genotype and BC genotype. And yet the child uh, is born uh, with a CC homozygous genotype but only has a carrier parent. So the question arises, how does that occur? What's the mechanism by which that can happen? And this uh, occurs because there are uh, mechanisms which uh, ar arise uh, due to try to prevent rescue of trisomy or, or rescue of monosomy, which, as you remember, is lethal, a lethal genetic condition. And, and occasionally, this can lead to uniparental disomy. So here is the trisomy example. Uh, and, and what we can see here, in this case, in, in a bid to try and rescue uh, this uh, uh, gamete cell, or this, sorry, this, uh, this, uh, this, this cell from uh, a trisomic uh, uh, genotype, we see uniparental inheritance causing um, uh, the rescue of, of a potential rescue of, of trisomy. Or in this case here, where we only see monosomy, uh, we can see examples of, of chromosome reduplication, both of which can happen through uh, this event of uniparental disomy. So other examples are uh, examples of inversions of genes. So pericentric inversions include the centromere of the gene and paracentric inversions include regions of the chromosome that do not include the, the centromere. So uh, and I'll show you in an, an example and with some slides uh, after this slide. Uh, these usually are balanced, and there are no problems clinically within the carriers, but inversions can result in a changing the banding pattern of the chromosome, so therefore you can identify them, as you can see here, in this inversion of chromosome 5 uh, by uh, straightforward carrier-type analysis. So let's have a look again at those two examples. A pericentric inversion involving uh, the centromere, uh, due to recombination of this DNA leading to a switching of the DNA sequences within the chromosomal structure. So this always involves uh, the centromere or you can sometimes see what we call paracentric inversions. Uh, again, you can see the orders of the gene BCD are reversed within the structure of this chromosome uh, and this happens outside of the involvement of the centromere and as such is therefore what we call a paracentric uh, inversion because it doesn't include the centromere. So the effect of these inversions during uh, crossover in meiosis where we see uh, this uh, occur, uh, what, we, what happens here, here's the centromere, here's our chromosome and here's our, our other chromosome that's paired here. If we get uh, an event here where we see meiotic pairing in this loop, 
what we can lead to are aberrant uh, chromosomes, which we call dicentric, containing two chromosomes, uh, sorry, two centromeres, uh, and an acentric chromosome uh, without a centromere. These are not viable. Carriers of in these inversions may be asymptomatic, but they do have a, a higher risk uh, of, of miscarriage. So we've got two or three more things to look at, two or three more examples uh, before we conclude. So we've looked at uh, examples of microdeletions. We've looked at deletions, uh, examples of, of inversions, uh, pericentric and paracentric inversions. Isochromosomes, we'll spend a little bit of time just looking at this. This is the loss of one chromosome arm and the duplication of another arm of the chromosome. And particularly uh, uh, the example that's shown here involves chromosome X. So as you can see here on the, haplot on the carrier type, uh, what we have is uh, a, a longer arm of, of chromosome X that is shown here. So the long arms uh, of, of the chromosome join to form uh, the, uh, the longer isochromosome. So here's the short arm, here's the longer arm. We have this event where the chromosome long arms form together to form an isochromosome. And typically this results in, in chromosomal and gene dosage imbalance. Um, it, it's, uh, there is partial or can be partial trisomy of the genes present within the isochromosome uh, and partial monosomy of the genes on the lost arm uh, of the chromosome. So let's have an example here. And we go back to our example of Turner's syndrome. 15% of cases of Turner's syndrome, which as you remember is that uh, a disorder affecting young girls due to loss of chromosome X, uh, is caused not by pure loss of one copy of the X chromosome, but by the, uh, the isochromosome of one of the copies of chromosome X. And so they only have one copy of the short arm of, of the X chromosome. This isochromosome is typically inactivated. And so while it, whilst it, it, does, it, it manifests um, and uh, isn't, uh, doesn't cause a, a com complete uh, uh, problem, there is haploinsufficiency of the genes on the, the smaller petite arm, which can give rise to the Turner syndrome uh, phenotype, effectively the loss of, of, of that. So genetically, it's a different mechanism by which that occurs. Uh, and it's perhaps not so severe as the other cases, uh, and that is due to the fact that you do have haploinsufficiency of a certain number of genes, whereas uh, other, other genes present within the X chromosome are still able to function. And finally, uh, an example of another chromosomal abnormality, which is really uh, very rare, uh, uh, something called a ring chromosome, and this can form when a chromosome loses genetic material at the terminal portions and at the ends of the chromosome to fuse and form a, a ring-like structure. And again, these uh, are typically found uh, in uh, examples of um, cells that have been exposed to some form of, of radiation. So here's an example of a carrier type of, a, of, a, of a, uh, looking at a set of chromosomes from a radiation worker who was exposed to high doses of radiation and you can see the formation of, 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 a, of a ring chromosome shown uh, within this example here.
Okay, so we've got a final question before we conclude. Sorry, I forgot to start the timer. You've got plenty of time. A nine-year-old girl is offered an array because she exhibits specific features. The results show aberration of the X chromosome. Carrier type reveals she has a normal set of chromosomes with an isochromosome X. What's the condition that she has? We'll give another five, ten seconds. Okay, you see most of the answers are in. Let's see if it works this time. Technology. Okay. Yes, it has. And the vast majority, okay, have got that right. So if you remember what we were talking about with the, the isochromosome X, the condition was that a small percentage of women who have Turner syndrome uh, can be due to the, 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 the formation and the presence of an isochromosome X. Okay, I think, that's, I think that's the end. I'm happy to stay around and answer any questions. If you have any questions, thank you very much. You, uh, yeah, you need to.